I'm live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ministry Mondays with Meg. I'm Meg. Uh, I'm Reverend Meg Biddle. I always forget to put my name up there. Not like you don't know who I am. Reverend Meg Biddle, uh, National Coordinator for Ministry Life. And, you know, whatever else I need to do. Um, host, creator of the show. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you here. Uh, it is indeed Monday and I need more caffeine. Um, so today's guest, oh wait, let me back up and say thanks everybody for watching slash listening. We are glad that you are here. Uh, today's guest, you know him, you love him, friend of the show, Reverend Paul Schneider. I need to have like music and be able to do like confetti, like I need to be able to do that. I need to find out how I do that. I need to learn how to do that. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's 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 some some way that that, that you can make that happen. Um, I know. So welcome. Glad to. Have I'm you glad to be there. here again. And uh, as I already said, love the shirt. Well, you know, I mean, I got a rep, right? You know, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and also this one's about Paul. When he shows up at an event. I don't know if it's just to make me feel better or just because he likes the t-shirt because it's an awesome t-shirt. It is very but <laughs> Thank you. I tell people that. Um, but he comes wearing his ministry Monday the Meg shirt and I always get a kick out of it. Um, it always, it always makes me smile when people do that when they wait, when they wear it and they take pictures of themselves and, and it's just fun. And if you are sitting there going, how can I be a guest on Ministry Mondays with Meg? How can I get a t-shirt? Well, you get a t-shirt by being a guest. And um, if you've got a ministry that's beyond the traditional pulpit, uh, you know how to get a hold of me. You can email me. You can um, send me a message on Facebook. You know, those kind of things. And, and we'll talk. But today... We're talking to Paul. So, Paul, uh, you've had some changes and stuff since the last time because it's been a little over a year, I believe, since your since your last show. So, what's up with you? Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm in the unique point of uh, being at like one of those pivot points in ministry, right? Um, I am the pastor of Berrien Community Church, but only through the end of the year. Um, and uh, in part, that's because uh, of my role with the Evergreen Association of American Baptist Churches, which is one of the 34 regions of the American Baptist Churches. Um, and I am the Associate Executive Minister of Operations and Administration. And um, so what that means in, in very short terms is that my job is to not only handle all of the operations uh, of the region, including things like receiving the incoming United Missions check and making sure the monies go where they're supposed to and, you know, answering the phones when people call and have questions, but also um, helping not just the region, but also churches improve their operations and administrations and um, helping them uh, get some of these things that sometimes take up a lot of our time and energy in churches um, kind of set and locked in so that they can focus on the things that churches really need to be doing out there and maybe being able to apportion their energy a little bit differently. 
Um, and so that's a big part of what I do. I'm also the guy who answers the practical questions, uh, you know, uh, hey, we're calling a new pastor. What is the appropriate going rate? You know, those kinds of things. Um, hey, we need to update our HR protocols. Do you have uh, something that we can base that off of, that kind of thing? So um, do you have all that stuff, by the way, because if so, I might call you. Yeah, I have quite a bit of it. Um, I'm working on gathering more. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been blessed, you know, I've got uh, some good connections. Uh, Dr. Laura Moraz, uh, who is the HR person for ABHMS has helped me out in a couple of cases where I needed just some advice on on how to move forward with something and, and, and the ways to recommend things. So that's been super helpful. And then um, I've, uh, you know, also been working with other churches. And so every time I get a copy of someone's employment policies, it just goes in a folder. And then when somebody says, oh, I need a, you know, employment policies, I'll be like, great, I've got four. Here's, <laughs> this is a good place to start is, you know, somebody's already done the work, you know. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is that in a lot of cases, churches don't need to reinvent the wheel, but boy, so often we do. Um, and, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, we're Baptist. It's not like the we as the region can tell you how to function, but we can make recommendations and we can we can offer best practices. And that's what I try and do. Which is incredibly helpful. And it sounds like you're far more organized than I am because you're like, then it goes in a folder. And I'm like, I know I have that around here somewhere. Hopefully I saved it in my email. I mean, I it's just there like a, a thousand reason. things. There's a reason why I'm sitting in this room and doing this with you is because otherwise you might see my desk. And, you know, I'm one of those people who needs to have everything that I'm working on out in front of me. So it looks like total chaos, but it's all in there somewhere. Okay, see, you see my office. I get that too. Like I think in piles. That's right. I, there are piles. I know what pile it's in. I know exactly what pile it's in. I just got to flip through enough things to find it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I realize digital, blah, 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 blah. For me, that's just, maybe it's part of the ADD thing. I don't know. But for me, that's just like, it, it, it's harder um, to well, try I, and track digitally. Yeah. What I learned is that if I don't have folders for these things and put them in the folders right when I get them, then they don't end up in there. And then when I'm looking for them, I'm trying to look back through two years of emails to find the one that I got and, you know, make sure that, that it was the, the person who I actually spoke to and not the pastor of the church or, you know, whatever. So, I mean, sometimes those things get, get tricky. And so that's why I've started to, you know, I just have these, these folders of these different kinds of documents, including things like, articles of incorporation and bylaws and so on. So that new churches that are getting off the ground, um, again, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They don't have to start from scratch. They can just go ahead and, and, and take something and adapt it to their needs. So you mentioned the church that you've been serving and I'm, forgive me, I forget how long you've been at Burien. Uh, six and a half years now. Okay. Um, so the plan is for them to close, right? At the end of the, so what happens to everything, all, all, all the stuff, all the, the sure. building, what, what, what do you do? How do you, how do you do that? So, I mean, that's a, that's a choice that each church makes for itself. And uh, right now we're figuring out um, what we're going to do with these buildings. Our goal as Burien Community Church, um, we're proud of the fact that we're a neighborhood church. We're proud of the community that we're in. And we want to sure, make sure that ministries continues in that community. 
And so one of the things we considered was we could we could probably get a decent chunk of change, which we could then give to very worthy ministries mm -hmm. um, if we were to sell the whole property. But if we did that, if we sold it to developers and we got a few million dollars for it, maybe, then they would be turned into houses and there would be no more place for ministry in that neighborhood. Okay. And so our commitment is to making sure that the place for ministry in that neighborhood remains. Um, and so Evergreen is looking to um, create a space, uh, an incubation space um, uh, for uh, new ministries. And we are considering that our building spaces might, might be that. So that would be a place for uh, ministries that are in that regrowth cycle. You know, they've gotten small, they're kind of restarting and getting going again, or churches that are just getting off the ground. Maybe they've outgrown their living room, but don't quite have enough people to rent uh, a, a church space or something like that yet. We want to provide a space for those ministries to be able to gather, to worship, and to be able to get their programs going and off the ground. And that's a, that's something that um, fits in with Evergreen's flow of innovation and dynamic thinking when it comes to ministry. Um and Evergreen is committed to that. It, in a large part, my job is actually facilitating that goal, right? Because if we can get our churches operating as efficiently as possible, using best practices and getting things off the ground, there's a lot of difficulties that churches face that just vanish, right? And, 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 and then they can focus on how they connect with their communities in new and different ways, how they pursue ministry in, you know, a different century, um, and, and how they can build connections with each other, with the denomination, with churches uh, in their community that are ecumenical, right? Um, and, and so that's a big part of what I do. And then one of the other people uh, here at Evergreen, one of the other staff members, Reverend Sam Kim, is our Associate Executive Minister of Innovation and Design. And we have something called the NUMA initiative that we are doing that is really designed to help spark these innovative ministry ideas and help them get off the ground and get going um, and, and help churches think differently about iterating ministry, right? Because the fact is, is that rarely do you try something and it's perfect the first time out the gate. Instead, you kind of have to try it and, and, and learn from it and try it and learn from it and try it and learn from it. And we've got this uh, problem in Western culture, for the most part, of wanting things to be perfect right as they go. And then when they're not, we just go, oh, this, this didn't work at all. And that's not usually true. Usually it did work, um, or even it worked some. And so then the question is, what can we learn from this? And then how do we incorporate that into what we do going forward? And so that's a big part of my role here is to help kind of uh, push forward with that kind of innovation so that even our churches that are doing really well and aren't in danger of closing or our churches that are just looking for new ways to reconnect with their community or even finding new ministries to get involved in, um, that they, they develop kind of a, a theology of failing forward. Um, and, and, and I love that. I can't remember who wrote that, but I have a, I had that on a, on a sticky note in my office at both of the churches I pastored was always fail forward. I can't remember who said it, but yeah, it's brilliant advice. Yeah. And, 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 um, pastor Sam is excellent 
uh, at this uh, kind of, he calls it uh, human-centered design, but he's one of the, I think, probably the first people to really take human-centered design, which is a very sort of secular corporate world concept, and turn and think about the theological implications of um, and 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 what does it mean to implement it in the church and and do so in ways that are life-giving and generative and not um, built entirely on a corporate model, right? So it's taking the design thinking. I mean, at least I took design thinking at Central mm -hmm. um, in my doctor of ministry class um, and and applying theology to the design thinking. Okay. Okay. And you can uh, actually find out a little bit more about the NUMA initiative. If you go to the Evergreen website and there's actually a NUMA tab there, I forget exactly which of our menu items it's under, but. Um, tell you what listeners, viewers, viewers, listeners, I will put it in the show notes. I will even, I will put the Evergreen website there for you and I'll even, so you can go right to that page. I will do that. And I've actually just dropped the link in the chat. Awesome. Um, and, and, and so uh, you can find out more about the NUMA initiative there, um, about what we're doing and this kind of new way of, of thinking that, that we're working on. Um, and, you know, all again for the, for the goal of helping churches share the gospel and live it out in really dynamic ways. Is this helpful for your church? Um, to know that the building is going to continue to be used in in this way is that is that um, yeah I mean in the healing process I mean because I mean I yeah, imagine most people. So Burian Community Church started about 26 years ago, um, okay. and it was the merging of two churches, Columbia Baptist Church, which was in the Columbia Valley in Seattle, um, and then uh, Gregory Heights Baptist Church. And the physical buildings and everything are on the Gregory Heights property. The two churches merged and sold the Columbia property, um, and then and then uh, they used those monies for ministry, for, for different things. Um, and... So uh, Columbia had been around for over a hundred years. Uh, if you if you count its time as part of Burian Community Church, um, it was founded uh, either late in the 1800s or the early 1900s, and then um, uh, Gregory Heights started in the 1950s. And so you've got you know 60 plus years of you know uh, people who have sacrificed, who have ministered, who have been part of that community. And that legacy is really important and we want to honor that. And so that's part of why we are so committed to the idea that this center for ministry in this neighborhood isn't going to go away, that it's still going to be um, a place for that. And um, we uh, we share space with a couple of other churches already, um, and they will be uh, they are they are churches that are in that regrowth renew cycle, um, and so they'll be kind of the some of the first people to take advantage of this innovation space in Evergreen. That's and I should caveat that and say if that's actually how that all goes, right? Um, because technically some of those decisions haven't made yet. We have taken our official vote to begin the closing process. Um, and, you know, one thing that uh, even though my 
my last day of ministry with them as their pastor will be December 31st. I feel pretty good in the fact that because of my role with Evergreen, I'm going to be walking with them through this process the whole way. So yeah. As the uh, associate exec of operations and administration, I am the guy um, <laughs> to, to, to help them with that. So um, just one question as, um, as an associate exec now, um, I'm sure the answer is probably no, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, so will you be competing with Jared to steal pastors from other regions? So here's the thing is that I'm well aware of the fact that Jared doesn't view it as stealing, but rather as providing opportunities. And the fact is, is that Evergreen is a great opportunity. And so I don't know if competing is the right word, but I, let's just say that Jared's not the only one who's out there with a great region, with great churches that are looking for great pastors. Wow, that was very well done. <laughs> we did not even plan this and that's just well done. I mean, like, all right. I mean, I love the, I do love the Evergreen region. Um, and I do love New York State, but I promise in my role, I don't play favorites. Anyway, uh, so did I like imagine seeing somewhere on the interwebs that you all have a podcast now? No, that's absolutely correct. We just started our podcast. It's going to be releasing about one episode a month, um, and uh, it's called Cultivate. And, and so it's Reverend Sam Kim um, uh, talking with people about the ministries, um, sometimes of Evergreen, sometimes beyond Evergreen, um, but, but about the things that we are doing and how they connect to that idea of sort of like a theologically centered human design uh, thinking that would help our churches, again, kind of iterate forward um, into, uh, into new and exciting ministries. Well, once you have that first episode up or whatever if you want to give me that information i'll attach it to this episode so that sure um, can um can can check it out when it's when it's ready to go you don't have to do it let's no, see you can always... I'll, I'll i'll definitely get that to you um yeah, yeah. um i just imagine people would want to would want to uh learn more about that and so those that take advantage of this space will obviously need to be in the area. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so here's the thing, right? Is Evergreen's that, one of those weird. We are a very geographically diverse region. Yeah. Um, at this point, we kind of have two centers. So generally in the Seattle to Olympia area in Washington, so that's Western Washington, right? Or sorry, uh, yeah, Western Washington. Um, that's where a, a good chunk of our churches are, over half. Um, and, um, and then we have more churches in Eastern Washington. We have one in Idaho. We have one in Alaska. We have three in Utah, two in Colorado, and we have 15 churches in California. I did not realize. I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize there was that many in that many places. That's awesome. Yeah, six states. Oh, yeah. I mean, and 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 one of the things that we're working on is trying to figure out, you know, how do we 
how do we deal with that geographic diversity, right? Because, I mean, you know, especially when, when it comes to annual meetings, when it comes to those kinds of things. So we've been really working on thinking through how do we make our events as inclusive as possible? How do we build events that are truly hybrid and not just kind of hybrid as an afterthought, but hybrid with intentionality, hybrid paying attention to what that online experience feels like and how they how people can, can in fact participate. Um, you know, one of the things that Evergreen does differently is that uh, we organize and do business by ethnic caucus and by consensus. And so um, we're fortunate that um, it just so happens that the Evergreen staff actually has representatives from every caucus now. Um, so uh, there's Reverend Douglas Avilas Bernal, who is our executive minister, who's in the Hispanic caucus, Reverend Sam Kim, who uh, is our associate executive of innovation and design. And he's in the Asian caucus myself. Um, and I'm in the Euro caucus. And then Reverend Siobhan Walker, um, who is our ministry associate for social media. And uh, she is in Black caucus. And so when we break out into our caucus groups to discuss our business, we actually have a staff member there um, in each caucus. And that allows us to really um, you know, move the Zoom part of the meeting into that. So you you don't get cut off or you don't have to just watch a stream of the business, but you can really participate in the business because of how we do business. And there's a lot there. And Doug is a lot better at explaining that than me. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, but it, it, it's a very different model than your standard sort of Robert's Rules of Order. Everybody gets in and you go through the agenda line by line. But I also think it's actually a very Baptist model. And uh, part of our commitment to it is that it allows every voice to be heard. No voice uh, gets drowned out. And that, um, that to us is a big part of why we do it, the way that we do it, and what makes Evergreen Evergreen. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of consensus and um, giving a space for all voices to be heard. And so, yeah, I I'm, um, really appreciate that the evergreen region has representation in in all the places which is so important so important um and i don't want to forget like you are you completely finished now the co-creators you just finished so the co-creators the co-creators uh launched they event um, happened in October. We still have a couple of meetings that we're doing online because we are, again, a geographically diverse group, the co-creators. Um, and um, and so, uh, but but yeah, so we, we gathered in October uh, there at uh, the LAM building uh, at ABHMS um, for a chance for some training, a chance for us to do um, pitches on our on our different ministry products. We had a great panel of uh, feel, uh, of ministry entrepreneurs um, who uh, helped us and gave us feedback on our panel uh, on our pitches, and that was an amazing experience. More than a little nerve wracking, I'll admit. Um, and uh, <laughs> but but the feedback that I got uh, was super helpful, and uh, just this whole co creators process has been really, really significant. There's been a lot that I've learned. There's a community that I've gained. And um, the mutual support 
of what the different entrepreneurs are doing um, is so exciting. And, it, you know, it's funny because people will ask me about my ministry, which is the Oasis Project, right, which isn't just my ministry. I do it with a bunch of other people. It's an interfaith ministry. But um, that's the what that's that's what I came to the co-creators for. I am the founder and director of the Oasis Project. Um, but and, and, and I'm glad to tell them about it, but there's also part of me that's like, yeah, 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 but wait, there are these other cool ministries that you need to know about that are happening. Um, and so, you know, I, I could wax poetic about them, but um, I think you'd be better served by having them on your show yourself um, and letting them talk about their ministries. I mean, if any of them are watching, hello, uh, come on over. The invitation is open. We want to have all of you on here. And Coach Gary was on. Who was one of That's the right. who was one of the judges? Um, was the on last week and uh, was a great guest. Have no had no idea that he's got a show about to go on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I mean, and, and and that was one of the that was one of the things that I thought was just super helpful about that co-creators process was the type of people that they connected us us with and the resources that they gave us access to. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. The grant was useful. Um, it's it's what's allowing me to work towards incorporation um, as a nonprofit, as a 501c3, um, and 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 moving towards uh, creating the Oasis Project into more than just a, a ministry that's funded out of my back pocket or the back pockets of other staff, but will move forward into being sort of a real tangible nonprofit ministry that'll continue to bring safer spaces um, to conventions, conferences, and festivals. I mean, I was going to say, for those who don't know what the Oasis Project is, do you want to tell them? Sure. But, I mean, that's so the Oasis, right, right there. I mean, go for the it. The Oasis Project is an interfaith ministry um, that creates uh, radically inclusive, safer spaces for uh, emotional self-care um, and, uh, and then also spiritual care um, at conventions, conferences, and festivals. That's not quite the vision statement as it's written, but that was how I remembered it in the moment. So, you know, um, and and one of the things that I think is really significant, um, it got its start because I was uh, invested, uh, you know, in the uh, science fiction and fantasy fan community, particularly the, the communities that threw uh, fan conventions. And um, as I was going through seminary, I was thinking about the ways that I could serve my people. Right. Um, and so for me, that included this community of fans. And one of the things I noticed was that there was no place where someone who was feeling overwhelmed, who just needed a moment of quiet or who needed someone who could listen and and hold the kind of space for them um, uh, to would be able to go to and 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 so on without either going up to their room or leaving the convention, which for some people means that they're not going to come back. And that's bad for the for the individual and bad for the convention. And so um, I came up with this idea. And um, as I was beginning to figure out how to implement it and so on, other people ended up joining who have contributed greatly to sort of how the ministry has developed and and and, and how the space has filled out. And so um, we. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's an evolving idea. We're can we're there's there is a place and a space for this beyond just the science fiction and fantasy fan community. And last year we were at an interfaith uh, pagan um, 
uh, conference as the Oasis, where we where we provided that safer space for spiritual care. Um, and that was a great experience, uh, something that we're learning from. Um, and then uh, also last year, uh, Reverend Siobhan Walker, who's uh, been part of the Oasis almost since the beginning, um, has uh, and I were uh, led the safer spaces at Worldcon in Chicago. Um, and so that was about building inclusive spaces, but also spaces for in, uh, individual groups to be able to feel more comfortable, um, including an interfaith space um, where Sunday services were held and also uh, people could go and um, there were scriptures of many different faiths available and meditative mm -hmm. aids and things like that. Um, and in some ways, that's a big part of what the Oasis Room provides is that sort of low sensory space for someone to step into, whether they just need to be quiet for a minute and stare out the window, um, or whether they uh, need uh, to sit down and read, or you know uh, that kind of thing. And and because we're an official part of the conventions that we're in, um, people don't feel like they're leaving the convention. Mm. People don't feel like they're they're having to go to their room or or walk out the doors in order to find some quiet, but rather this is an official way uh, for the convention to provide that kind of support for its people. Um, and uh, and then because we are an interfaith team of clergy, um, we're all trained in sort of spiritual care, um, and and we we have that kind of pastoral background, uh, both to know how to hold that kind of space. And then also to know when we're in over our heads and <laughs> we need to refer out, right? Um, and both of those are very important. Um, honestly, one of the things that I've found is that holding that space is uh, sometimes the most important thing. Um, and, and, and just people knowing that it's there makes a really big difference. Um, uh, uh, early <laughs> on in the Oasis uh, uh you know, iterations at different conventions. Um, we had one moment where someone who is in the middle of having uh, a panic attack came mm. into the room and they had a friend with them, but other friends soon arrived and surrounded them. And the Oasis staff, all we did was maintain and hold that space, but we weren't actually actively involved in tending to this person. Their friends and family, the people who were around them, their community was already there to do the work, but there was, there was literally no other space in a busy convention where that could have happened. And so just holding that space has value for that. And often we will have people who um, come into the Oasis stressed out, for reasons that uh, have nothing to do with the convention itself. Um, and, and they can take care of themselves. They can ask for help. They can find a middle ground in between, um, you know, just as they need to. Well, as I said before, and I will say again, as a mom of a kiddo who goes to those types of conventions, um, and, and a kid who still holds out hope that one day you will end up at an anime con, you know, kind of thing. Um, I, I so appreciate that, that ministry because um, all the things that you just said um, and all the text messages that I get um, when they are, are there and like feeling like crap. And so, you know, and, and then it's things like they don't, they don't remember to drink 
fluids, you know, um, you're walking around and all in all that space and and you've got your your cosplay on and all of that and you know and everybody forgets that um ac dehydrates and so you're in this hotel this carefully controlled environment but it's sucking moisture out of the air and mm -hmm. out of you and so that's actually one of the things that we've found is actually the most helpful that the oasis can provide is just water and you know salty snacks of various kinds because yeah. low salt low sugar low water all you know dehydration all three of these things will will make you feel a lot worse and so coming right. into a space where you can take advantage of that sit for a moment kind of collect yourself let your body re-regulate um that's often all that people need to do in order to go out and continue to have a good con convention but if they don't have that space or they're not paying attention to those things, um, then then it can kind of tip them over. And that can lead to a pretty negative experience overall, not just for them, but for the convention um, and, and that kind of thing. And so that's one of the things that, that we really uh, try and do when we're working with conventions is that we show up to the staff meetings. We talk about who we are and what we do. We make sure that there are flyers available at you know information desks and things like that. And we try and talk to um, kind of as many people as possible about what the Oasis is, where to find us, and how to take advantage of that space. Because um, that way, people actually know that they can come find us. They know there's a place that they can go. And sometimes that is the difference between, you know, somebody having a breakdown and then be or being able to, um, you know, hold it together until they can get to a space where they can just Take that moment to center themselves. Take that time to reconnect. Take that time to text message a parent and not worry about uh, the hustle and bustle of it all. So, having gone through the whole um, co-creators incubator, what is there something that you learned in the process that that you made a change in the way that you're doing or you're approaching Oasis now? So, I mean, a, a big part of, of the things that I learned um, were about, um, in a lot of ways, how to market the Oasis, right? Okay. Um, and, and also how to think differently um, about how the Oasis approached spaces that weren't fan-run conventions. So that was, that was something that was... Uh, you know, a big uh, challenge um, was was that that we kind of had a model that we knew worked in this one type of convention setting, and developing a model that might work outside of that was something that I hadn't figured out yet. And over the course of this project, between the various mentors and uh, instructors and so on that they uh, equipped us with and 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 allowed us to interact with um, on a monthly basis. Um, we really learned a bunch of really different tools, both in how to uh, think about your ministry, but also how to raise funds, how to say thank you, how to move forward um, uh, with with developing um, in in kind of dynamic ways uh, what what you're doing. Um, and and one of the things that I think is coolest is that while in some ways the fundamental nature of the Oasis is unchanged, the way that I think about the Oasis is much more manifold now, right? It, it has layers and layers. And so that is where kind of really developing this beyond just those fan run conventions to religious conventions to really any kind of convention, conference or festival um, has really kind of developed out of. And so... 
that's a big part of the shift. And as the board is coming together with articles of incorporation and vision statements and so on, that's something that we're thinking about in a really different way. Um, and uh, you mentioned uh, Reverend uh, Jared Huguenot of, of ABC New York. He was able to connect me um, with someone who I really was able to then have a great conversation with about how do I pitch the Oasis to a for-profit convention? Because a lot oh. of those anime conventions, Comic-Cons, places like that, they're working on a dollars per square inch value model. And okay. the Oasis does not generate money. That's that's not what we do. What we do generate is a positive fan experience. Um, yeah. And that's, that's really... Um, Kind of learning how to think about that and articulate that in a way that that would allow me to reach out to different kinds of conventions was one of those big changes um, that yeah. I got from the co-creators. Yeah, I mean, having gone to one of those giant conventions twice now, um, going to the the broadcasters convention out in Las Vegas, you know, where you you're at the convention center, which is three different buildings, and and it's not like you're just walk. I mean, it's a lot and so many people and so much noise and light and and all of it. But both times I have gone and thought it would be so great if Paul and Siobhan were here because I would totally go and just sit in there and be like, I don't need anything. Okay, maybe the bottle of water um, and a banana or something, you know. Uh, but just go sit in there and and just be like, mm, you know, where it's because the American Express, American Express has an American Express lounge there that, but you have to have the American Express card, and yeah, they hand everybody a bag of snacks and a bottle of water when you come in, but. It is a, I'm sure, quite a different space. Having seen your your short video of, of what your space looks, like. nobody, there's not, you can't lay down, you can't like, you, it, it's a completely different. It's just a space. Is all is all they offer. So, um, I I think I would greatly appreciate knowing that there was somebody there that I could talk to if I wanted to, or not, um, but that it was just a, a safe space for me to go and, and be for 15 minutes, a half hour, whatever. Um, and just kind of chill before going at it again. So, um, I have a great appreciation for, for what you do. All the things, Paul, all the things. You're a busy guy these days. I am. One of the things that I'm, I'll say excited about um, yes. is is that as I pivot away from ministry at Burien Community Church um, and, and everything, I'll be I'll be down to just one job, one 40 hour a week job, which allows me to do things like invest time in the Oasis, invest time in some of the other things that um, are important for me uh, as 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 a person, because I've been working 60 plus hours a week for almost 15 years now and um it's a lot <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i would need a nap on a regular i mean i need a nap now on a regular basis but my <laughs> god yeah like that's crazy you're like hello children 
I'm your parent. Nice to meet you again. You know, kind of thing. I mean, 60 hours, that's a ton. Yeah. It is. And, and you know. It must be nice to be able to be like, I'm the best. Well, and one of the things that I appreciate is that uh, the work culture here at the Evergreen Region office um, is one of sort of mutual encouragement and also mutual accountability. And so uh, my tendency when I'm busy uh, is to just get my head down and get as much work done as possible and not pay attention to time. And one of the things that I appreciate about, appreciate about my coworkers is that they don't let me just do that. They, they challenge me and they push back on me in the best possible way to make sure that I'm taking the time that I need to for myself. Um, and so um, it's, uh, it's really, really a, a positive uh, thing for our work relationship, but also just, you know, kind of to be um, colleagues and friends, you know, um, that, that, you know, are working with you and care about you. So. I'm glad you'll, you'll, you'll be able to breathe a little bit um, now. So, um, and even though you've been on the show before and have been asked the joy question, I don't remember what your answer was. So you can answer it however you want. You can answer it the same way if you remember how you answered it last time. But, you know, you've got all these, all these, all these things, great and wonderful things. Um, but what, what brings you joy? So these days, um, you know, I, I, I've often been a person who's taken joy um, in accomplishments, in the things that I've done that I look out there and I can say, oh, that had a positive effect on the world. Oh, that changed things. Um, and so my growing edge has been learning to find joy in things that are just for me. Um, and, uh, and so there's, uh, you know, these days, uh, spending time with my kids brings me joy and I'm, I'm getting to do more and more of that. And after the first of the year, I'll be able to do still more and more of that. Um, you know, uh, I like to say that uh, running doesn't bring me joy, but the benefits that running brings me, brings me joy. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so there's, there's that. And then, um, you know, uh, the, the, one of the things that I do is write um, and, you know, uh, that's both mostly been for myself so far, but who knows, maybe I'll actually finish a novel at this point. And I've been working on one um, for a while now that uh, I'm hoping to actually finish sometime early next year, um, especially as I get a little bit more, um, uh, you know, time uh, uh, to, to spend on it. So, um, and, and then, I am very much someone who enjoys games of all kinds, but especially tabletop RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I'm looking forward to being able to uh, get some of those games off the ground again, um, including including the all clergy game that I was part of, uh, that I ran actually um, for, for several years, uh, getting that off the ground again would bring me great joy. So that's one of my goals for 2024. All right. Awesome. Well, Reverend Paul Schneider, uh, I'm so glad to have you back on the show. And I'm excited for all the things that you have going on, all these new opportunities and and this growth. And um can't wait to you know see what, what God's gonna do with you with you next and and, and where this all goes. Um so um 
there's one more piece that I'm holding back, but I'm holding back on that just like until we've got people stay tuned. Okay, just stay tuned. There, there's another thing coming soon, very soon, and we'll put it out there. Um, but I won't blow it just yet. Um, so I appreciate you, your time. Thank you for doing the show. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and for listening and for being a part of this adventure with me. You know, go and find that thing that that brings you joy and and do it for the glory of the Lord and yeah and 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 live. But find your joy, find your joy. Um, you can find Ministry Mondays with Meg anywhere. Just Google me. I mean, Spotify, Apple, all the places. But you got to put the one with Meg in there or you'll get somebody else. Anyway, um, we thank you for watching, for being a part of this. And uh, stay safe and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Thank you.